Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. Uh, I started the show four years ago with the intent of just being able to get nuggets of information and ideas and inspiration from people who were doing successful things as entrepreneurs. And now that I look back over 400 plus episodes, it has been a real life changer for me. And I know that a lot of people who listen to the show regularly really feel that they too get a lot of inspiration. And I am really excited about today's guest because Amy Schuber, that's with a B, not an M. I don't have Amy Schumer on the show although uh, maybe someday. But today, she's done some really cool things. She came out of sort of a corporate media background, but now she's got her own business and all that, and I can't wait for her to tell you all the things she's doing and to talk a little bit about her podcast because we discovered we launched our podcast on the same day four years ago. It was September 30th. Uh, 2014. So I kind of look at her podcast as like the sister of my podcast. They were born the same day and they're both about inspiration. But before I bring Amy onto the show, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So many of you offer physical products to your fans and customers. But dealing with all that physical stuff, that's a pain because you have to pack it up in envelopes, take it to the post office and mail it. Well, my friends at Amplifier, they blend order fulfillment screen printing, and on-demand production into a single self-service platform that you totally control. They can integrate with your e-commerce shop and also help you drive any giveaway campaigns that you do. They are great for large internet powerhouse companies or entrepreneurs just starting out. On-demand means no inventory risk, but as you grow, you can stock up on inventory and Amplifier will handle all of that for you. Jump over to amplifier.com slash cool things and sign up today. So Amy Schuber, welcome, welcome, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Hi, Tom. It's so awesome to be with you. My twin, I love knowing that we launched the same time and we're still going four years later. Yeah, It's most, like a feat, right? Most shows don't ever get past seven or 10 episodes is what I hear. Yeah, yeah. That was one of my goals when I launched was to not be one of those pod faders. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. So. I, I committed to 50 episodes when I started. And by the time I got to 50, there was no stopping me. But if I had just said I was going to do an occasional podcast, we would have occasional podcast. Yeah, if I had said that, I probably wouldn't be talking to you here right now doing it for as long. But I sort of just jumped on the momentum and let it ride. And so four years later, going into like year five is amazing, I think. Now, I don't know if you know this, but we joined kind of a little bit towards the end of like the, the heyday of joining. And by the time you and I started our podcasts, the celebrities were starting to jump in. It was getting more complicated and more crowded. Of course, today it's way more crowded. But the same day we launched our show, Gary Vaynerchuk launched his podcast. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. I, I have noticed that, like the, the the crowd that has come in since then. But I do still have some friends that say you're still an OG podcaster, which I know there's people who are really OG podcasters. What, what is OG? What does that stand for? It's like 
like the originals, you know, uh, like it really stands for original gangster. <laughs> but that's like one of the originals, which I don't I, I'm like, thank you. But I know people were doing it way before I started. You well, know? there was a couple of waves of podcasting that started way before. But I think really the, the time to have gotten in, if you really wanted to write it, it was 2012, 2013. By 2014, it was starting to get crowded. However, I still was able to rank that first year in the business section of of iTunes. Now I don't rank in the top hundred anymore, but I did for a full year and that got me a lot of my long-term listeners. Yeah, I was ranking too at that time. And now I feel like it's funny when people they're starting and they're like, Oh, how am I going to rank? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> well, I talked to somebody the other day and she was really upset because she only had like 60 listeners and she's like, but you get over a thousand per episode. And I'm like, yeah, but I started at a different era and I never worry if I get 500 downloads or, or 2,000 or, or more. It's all about that one person who listens to the show. That's how I feel too. And you never know when someone's going to hear it, whether it's when this launches the day, it's like the, when it downloads the day you subscribed, or if it's you go back and listen to them, they're always there. I go back and look at like my Libsyn ranks, like what was downloaded, and there's shows from four years ago that out of the blue will get like 10 hits in a day. And I'm like, how? What? What? It's four years I old. know. I know that happens for me too. I recently did the same and I looked, I'm like, why was this spike that happened? And I look and it was like, wow, it wasn't from this week's episodes. It was from something a while ago, which you never know something that's going to catch fire. It's cool. So, so I was recently on, uh, uh, our friend, uh, Adam, uh, Shibley's new show called casting the pod where he's interviewing podcasters about their success and, and everything else. And one of the tidbits of advice that I shared was I said, you know, I'm at 400 plus episodes and I feel like I'm just getting started. So if you're starting a show, realize the first year or two, or in my case, four is really just your proving ground. And then you can get creative. And in 2019, I'm going to do more impromptu shows. I'm going to change up the format a little bit. I'm going to try and just make it a little more uh, spontaneous. Uh, in fact, one of the things I did, if you go back one episode before this one that you're listening to right now, after Adam interviewed me, I said, do you have a half hour? And we just jumped on without a script. And so uh, episode 415, uh, this one's 416, is just me and Adam just shooting the shit. And, and it really is a different thing. And I'm trying to go for that format next year. Kind of like what we're doing now. I have not gotten near the script. Right. I kind of like that. It's so funny, too. Me, too. I think in uh, the next year, I'm going to change the way I'm doing things because I've been really formatted with how I've been doing it for the four years. But every year has offered a different evolution that I've embraced. You know, the first year is really organized. Who am I talking to? I know all these things. The second and third year was sort of like, who wants to be on the show? What was coming to me? And like now it's like, OK, now I think I want to pull it back in and, and, and show up differently with it because of just how things have happened through the years. It really... I think when you let it find its own voice, like we have a, an intention around it when we start. And then I think the podcast itself comes alive and then tells you what it wants, right? Like from who's coming and showing up. And so now I'm like, okay, now I want to like put my arms around it again and say, okay, this is like where I want to take it just from the people I've met and, and learned from. And I can't imagine a conversation between you and Adam. You have a great radio voice like a podcast voice but adam's voice too like is amazing so i, I don't feel like you'd be intimidated by his voice because <laughs> i hadn't awesome. i hadn't i wish you'd said that before i was interviewed by him i would have tried to out adam adam with the voice i would have been like hello and welcome to casting the pod i mean his voice is like butter so if you haven't heard that episode with tom you guys gotta listen to it <laughs> so this is actually kind of a good analogy if you will sort of a good a good thing about entrepreneurship because i think 
you know, having your own business and cut, carving your own path through the jungle, if you will, it's sort of what we just described as you talked about the first four years of your podcast. You kind of go in all structured and, oh, my business is going to look like X. And by year four, you're like, yeah, that business plan got burned. So, right. So how long has it been since you left corporate America to do your own thing? It's been actually 14 years. I left corporate America. Wow. So that's a, so that's a long time. I've been doing this almost 10. So it's kind of the same thing. So what do you think are sort of some of those iterations that you've done in your business? I mean, we haven't even talked about what you do yet, but, but what are some of those iterations that an entrepreneur goes through over 14 years? <laughs> well, I, well, the first four years I started exploring, I left corporate America because I wanted to do something that I loved and I was really unhappy in corporate America. So I gave myself like a year to like rediscover what I wanted to do. But within that year, I took another job in corporate America because I got scared and everyone was saying, what are you doing? You can't do that. You can't just go take art classes and figure stuff out because I wasn't in college anymore. Right. So I was like, Oh, and then I got scared. And even my coach at the time said, you better go get a job. So that was the last time she and I ever spoke, but I did go get a job. And, um, six months later, I want to explore that for a second. I hired a (laughs) coach. I've hired a business coach to help me reinvent myself. And the business coach says, go get a corporate job. She was a life coach, so she wasn't giving me like business uh, strategy or anything like that. But she did. When she said that to me, I was so disappointed because I was like, still, wow, you're not getting this journey that I just took this huge risk to be on. That's even worse <laughs> right? that she was a life coach, like a business coach. At least I'd say, OK, they were playing the safe business line, you know, have a side hustle, whatever. But as a life coach, screw her. She's all wrong. I know. I know. And she was with me when I quit my job. So she supported me. And then I was like, okay, I think we've, we've, we've found our time. So I did get the job. I took a job and it was the worst ever. And it happened to be Lehman brother timing. So eight months in, I got laid off. And so I was like, okay, universe, I'm not supposed to be in corporate. And I didn't really want to go back. And so then I gave myself the space to have the exploration. And that's when I started my business. So that was like two years. So that was 12 years ago. Um, that like little blip of time and, and in and out of it, you know, I, I had an idea, but what I ended up doing, I started my business about eight years ago and in the between I was doing just gigs, right? Like I was exploring, I took a class at the interior design Institute to see if I wanted to be an interior designer. Cause what I wanted to do was be more creative. And I come from an entrepreneur family. This is so ridiculous. I come from generations of entrepreneurs, But what I learned growing up was get a job, go to school and get a job. So I went away to college, one of the kind of the first in my family to go to college. And after college, it was like all my dad could do to say was like, what are you going to do for work? Get a job, get a job. Like that was kind of our family mantra. And I didn't realize it at the time. Now that I look back, I'm like, wow, he was really drilling that into me. So I moved to San Francisco after college, got a job, right? Corporate America. Nobody in my family worked for corporate. And one of my cousins even said to me not too long ago, she's like, oh, yeah, I thought you were like, you had made it. You moved to San Francisco and got a job. (laughs) Crazy. So it took me a long time to like realize that wasn't in my blood. And so, so you talked about, you talked about taking design and art classes and I I recently was interviewed by you. And so we were on Skype and, and now we're on Skype again. I can see behind you, you have sort of this board behind you with all these words like smart and connect and, and, uh, you know, quiet and find yourself and all this stuff. Did you paint that yourself? No, it's oh. actually a project, a friend of mine. It's called I Am a Woman Who. And you answer that prompt with your words. So those are my words. And and then she photographs you in front of it. So you get to put your like mantra, I am a woman who, and you answer it. She paints it. She photographs you in front of it. You get the photograph of you in front of your, you know, your beautiful words about yourself. 
And then she actually actually gave this to me. So I put it up in my office because it inspires me. And it reminds me when I don't feel I think you can see like silly and smart. You know, I'm 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 quiet, but I'm strong and all these kind of conundrums about me. And it reminds me like, oh, yeah, Amy, you are that. So stand in it. That's cool. I thought you had created that yourself. And I guess you did because they're your words. But but she yeah. did a great job because it's kind of a cool visual when you're talking to you as having that as your background. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. So, so Amy, we have gone so off script. Why don't you tell everybody who is Amy Schuber and what do you do now? So what I do now besides podcasting on Inspired Conversations is I have a business that I do business strategy. So I evolved into it. So I had do I was doing all that inner exploration. And then I I was asked to run this ladies um, entrepreneur group. And this was about 12 years ago. And when I was doing that, that is where I discovered my love of business, my love of like coaching, my love of connecting with people. And so through me joining this group as an entrepreneur, like I was like, Oh, perfect. I'm going to do this, you know, this workshop with these people. The woman actually asked me to run it in Orange County. So when that happened, it like kicked the door down. And that's when I was like, Oh, this is what I'm good at. Because people used to tell me because I'm like this, I'm just an open person and I hear people, I can listen and I, I see you. People used to tell me I should be a nurse or a teacher, that kind of kind of giver. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not good in hospitals and I don't want to be a teacher. Ultimately, I'm kind of doing that in this work. But what I discovered in that entrepreneur group was I was really good at business strategy. I was really good at it in my corporate job. And so I was bringing my business skills and I was marrying it with like the coaching and these like my compassion, my the vision and strategy. So I do business vision strategy. And then, you know, there's all these other layers that go into it for entrepreneurs, small business owners, when you're building your business all of our personal stuff comes up, you know, like someone said to me, oh yeah, if you want to start a business, you know, that's like your best personal development course ever. Your podcast is too, but a business is too, like all of your stuff will come up and it comes out of nowhere. You're like, I didn't even know that was in my closet that I had money issues. I never had them before. So it's funny. So I help people go through that along with building their business strategy and and having clear focus in their vision and mission and, and what they're doing. Well, I sometimes hear that I, that I should have been like a like a therapist, like a like a family therapist <laughs> or something like that, because I I too am also really good at you know listening to people and, and getting them to open up. And I mentor a couple of gentlemen. I talk about them all the time on the show, so everybody who's a regular listener feels they know Nick and Jake as well as they know my daughters, Jackie and That's Kate. Cool. And uh, you know they've been you know they both kind of found me organically. One uh, when he when he they're both twenty eight, twenty nine years old, but when one was in college, so twenty one. His professor said, if you come see this speaker talk at the real estate council, I'll give you five extra points on the final. And so oh. several students came and for some reason, whatever I said that day just touched him and he came up and I remember him introducing himself. And I remember laughing because I thought, yeah, he thinks I'm more famous than I am. But he, <laughs> he, he was so inspired. He wanted me to speak at the university. And so I gave him a price, a discounted price of what I do it for. And he went to the dean and the dean said, no, I'll only give you, you know, I'm making up the numbers, thousand dollars or whatever. And he needed a couple more. And uh, so he went to four real estate, three or four real estate companies in the area who had like people had come and spoken to his commercial real estate class. And he asked them for like five or eight hundred dollars each. And he pulled it together and came up with the number. So all of a sudden, this kid was on my radar screen. I'm like, that guy is entrepreneurial. That guy's a doer. Right. He didn't just say, oh, I want to do it. And then, oh, there's money involved. Forget it. Oh, the dean won't give me enough. He figured out how to bring me to the university. And I went and spoke. And I was so taken with him. He said, you know, if I ever come to Austin, can I buy you coffee? And I'm like, yeah. And then he moved to Austin, you know, and buy me wow. coffee. And 
I, I, he asked me one time, would you formally be my mentor? And I didn't even know what that meant, but I said, sure, call me anytime. And about the same time, this other guy, I met him in a Star, this other guy, I used to call him a kid, but I met him in a Starbucks. He was, you know, applying for a job. I forget who it was with, but like Oracle or something like that. And when he went to the bathroom, he asked me to watch his computer. But before that, I was watching him. He was really frustrated. He was like slamming his computer down going, damn. Grr. So when he came back, I said, you seem really frustrated. He said, I'm interviewing for a job and they sent me sample questions. And I think they're trick questions. And I'm like, oh, let me see what they are. And I'm like, oh, I think you just hit the, the, the Starbucks lotto. I know how to answer. I, I, let me give you some advice. We ended up getting the job. And then it That's was the cool. same thing. He's like, oh, can I buy you a drink? And we went out and we got along. And, you know, he's like, will you mentor me? And so I yeah, call me whenever. And he did. I mean, he just kept pursuing it. And I ended up introducing them to each other. And they became buddies. And so they, you know, they have their friend groups have merged. And uh, Thanksgiving week of this year, they went to Columbia together with some other friends just to party and, and be tourists. And so they're like really close friends. And because of their closeness, they kind of kept in touch with me because they'd see each other all the time. They'd be like, oh, we should invite Tom out for drinks. But they always talk about the fact that did you take like, you know, counseling classes? Did you take psychology? <laughs> and I'm like, no, but I hear that sort of all the time. Because, you know, I just want to, I just want to fix people, right? I just want to help them. And, you know, it's like, I, yeah. like, I like to listen. And, and like you said, I see things. It's like, oh, have you thought about that? So I yeah, totally, yeah. totally get where you're coming from with that. Yeah. And it's interesting because for so long I was like, what should I be doing? Cause I knew it like when I was working in corporate and marketing and, and media, it just wasn't for me. Like I just it was like, I know there's more to life and I wasn't like using those skills. I'm using all my skills now in, you know, entrepreneurship in podcasting. And so it's like people saying you should be a teacher or a nurse. It's like, yeah, yeah, I get my skills look like that, but I, that's not where I want to translate them to. And this opened up everything. And it's funny because as soon as I wanted to start my own business and then told my family, they're like, yeah, duh. No wonder you're so uncomfortable in a cubicle. It's like, yeah, because I am from like a family of entrepreneurs and creative entrepreneurs at that. So I don't know why I was putting myself in this box, like to fit for everybody else. And I'm still uncovering and discovering that about myself that I really don't fit in a box at all. And even like follow this format for podcasting. It's like, okay, but I'm also going to do it my way because this is what works for me. And I, I know that I'm good at it because like you said, I'm a good listener to be a good interviewer. You have to listen to what people are saying. Right. And then play off of that. And, and it's really kind of cool. And that translates to business too. Well, and, and what you just said is the exact you know, person who listens to this show, you said, I, I didn't even know why I was uncomfortable in the cubicle. You know, I just wasn't in the right place. Most of the yeah. people who reach out to me who are avid listeners of this program, they have that inside of them. They want to make the, they either have recently made the jump or they want to make the jump or they have a side hustle going on and they just don't feel that they're in the right place. And, and I relate to that because I spent 25 years, you at least were young when you said <laughs> I'm getting out, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was, and I would, I was in I my would 40s. Totally yeah, I would totally recommend um, anybody like like what you say, try new things. Do that when you're in your hustle, when you're feeling so uncomfortable. That's what I did. I was like, OK, I'm going to get a coach. I'm going to do this. I'm going to start exploring things. I took a career class and it was funny. The career class was like this preempt to like what I started doing. It was a true career class, like in this building in San Francisco. And the woman, the first class, it was six weeks. She said, OK, you guys are all going to put some ideas in here. And I think we took personality tests. And she's like, but in six weeks, you're going to really see your lives change because you're asking for something right now and you're 
going to, some of you are going to get it. And I'm not kidding. Six weeks to the day was when I decided to quit my job and move out of San Francisco. So uh, when I quit my job in the city, I actually quit my job and I moved back to Southern California. So it was like a lot of big changes and transitions. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, you're leaping really big. And I'm like, I know without a job, which is a big deal for people apparently. And to that six week mark, it, it just was like a uh, coincidence, but my boss was going out of town. I was going to quit the next week, but I didn't want to do it over the phone, but she hadn't told everyone she was leaving. So that day I had learned she was leaving that night. And so I ran into her office to tell her real quick because I had to leave. And so they were all stunned and I like skipped into my class and I was like, I just quit my job and everyone was floored. And then another one walked in and said she quit her job. And I think she worked for like Visa or American Express or some big corporation. And we both did that. But what was funny was when I started working, like when I started doing the um, entrepreneur group, and it was a four week uh, workshop that I facilitated, kind of the same thing, put your thoughts and your ideas, business in this, and we'll form it and we'll do some business coaching around it. I would see people's lives change in that four weeks. Like you're asking for something and it's going to happen. And so then I was like, and this happened to me a couple years ago. So it was really interesting because at the time I didn't realize that. But when I look back, I was like, oh, yeah, that's what happens for people. Once you put your vision out there, well, the stuff will move forward for you to take action on. So do it because it will support you. Well, that's why I'm a real big believer in goal setting, because you yeah. know, if you put it out there, so many people, this is the weirdest thing. I'll, I'll coach somebody or somebody will come up to me when I talk about goal setting. They're like, yeah, I don't believe in goal setting because I've done it before. And when I don't hit the goal, I get all depressed. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You set a goal for 10 and you got to eight or nine. You realize you could have been at a four if you hadn't been striving for the 10. And they're like, yeah, but because if I don't hit the dollar amount or I don't get the exact job I wanted, then I'm bummed. And I'm like, no, no, it's just a target. It's like archery. Yeah, if yeah. you can hit the bullseye, that's awesome. But getting closer to the middle is better than missing the target altogether. And so, you know, I think that putting it out there and, and really knowing, you know, this is what I want success to look like brings yeah. you cl brings you closer to that. Now, I'm not a real sort of woo-woo guy, but I think there's <laughs> something totally to what you just said about, you know, asking the universe, you know, for something. And that's one of the things I'm doing as I'm going into 2019 is I'm really asking the universe to help me figure out what that next pop is because both with the podcast and my speaking business, I'm ready. And I, you know, I've, I've gone out and tried to design it myself and yeah. I've moved forward, but now I think I'm ready to, to take some input. So I'm, I'm, I'm asking for that. And, and, and you're right. It works. Yeah. It's like, I'm ready for more. Show me what that is. Cause I don't see what I don't see, you know? And, and it does, it supports us when we say we want change, the change will happen. It doesn't always show up the way we want it to. For instance, like I quit my job in that six week experience and, and some people, other people did as well because I was ready for it. I had savings. I had thought about it, but it would like happen pretty fast because I was ready. And, um, sometimes people say, you know, should you quit if you haven't started a business? You know what? You got to do what works for you, but be in the exploration of it. Like if you're thinking, about doing something else, start asking people in that line of, of work, you know, interview people or, or just start that exploration, like doing whatever you need to do to create it for yourself. I'm not saying quit. It's, it's what worked for me. But what I witnessed with other people when they started putting their ideas, they would either get laid off or they would quit or an opportunity would come that would help the change. And because they were asking for it. So once you start asking for things, they show up in these opportunities. They're always around us. But sometimes we don't see them because we're too focused on like how miserable we are or how things aren't working for us. Or like you said, that goal, I didn't make our goal. Well, you know what? You can make your timeline a little longer. It took me longer to get to eight. So why not give yourself another month to get to 10 or 12? You know what I mean? Like we're so limited with ourselves. Like we need to give ourselves a break. Well, and it's, it's your 
your goal. So you can you can change it. Yeah. You can you can give it a longer timeline or you can make eight the goal. I mean, it's you know, it's it, but you got to be you got to know what success looks like uh, in order in order to be able to get on on the sort of that that path with it. Now, yeah, it, it's very interesting, you know, kind of the stuff that you've talked about, because it really does. Uh, we live in a time it really does resonate with me because we live in a time where we have access like never before. So I'm a lot older than you are. When I go back to like, you know, getting out of college in 1989, 1990, I, I guess inside of me, I wanted to do my own thing, but there were no podcasts to listen to. I mean, you know, you could read books and there were cassette tapes you could buy from motivational speakers like Tony robbins type people and stuff like that. But I've never been a fan of the guru class, and I, I don't know if you know what the guru class is, but that's these people who've either legit or oftentimes illegit have positioned themselves as, ooh, they're the guru, pay me all this money, be my disciple, get into my inner circle program. I, I've always felt that, yeah, that helps some people, but the, the real winner is the guru who's collected all the cash. But right. with, with podcasting, and today you have regular people. You have people, you know, I think I'm just a regular guy. You have you, you have all these, you know, friends that we have, you have all these regular people who are sharing so much information that if you want to do something, it used to be, I always say, if you like people who want to become professional speakers, I say, get around professional speakers. The problem is, is that that used to be hard to find them. Now, yeah. you know, you can listen, you don't have to be around them. You can listen to their podcasts. They'll share stuff. Plus all the associations that are out there now that didn't necessarily exist 30 and 40 years ago. You know, there's all kinds of podcast associations, there's speakers associations, there's coaches associations. You can go make friends with people who aren't gurus. They're not the outliers. They're just regular people who are having success. And then you find out success leaves clues. So either directly or indirectly, get around people who are doing it. And I don't think that was as easy 30 years ago. Yeah, no, the access that we have is amazing. And one of the things when I um, left, you made me think of this. When I left the corporate world, I had... Um, I gone to a conference. So you start networking, right? You start hanging out with people. I started hanging out with these women entrepreneurs. I was running that group. And so I all of a sudden I had access to all these entrepreneurs. I wasn't in that world because I was in corporate and I never networked in corporate because I didn't want to be in that job. So I wasn't going to network with all those other yahoos. Like, I don't, why do I need to go to that marketing thing for this company? I don't care. But I, I learned this whole thing about networking. But I had heard Maria Shriver at the women's conference back in whatever year it was. Um, it's been about probably 12 years. She read this Hopi poem and the very last line was, we are the ones we've been waiting for. And at that time, when I was searching for what was my next move, I was asking everybody, what do you think I should do? Where, where should I go from here? What's my next job? What do you think I would do for work if I, and that's when I was getting teacher, nurse and all those things that I didn't really want to do. But that line really landed with me like, we are the ones. And I was like, oh, I am the one I'm looking outside at all these gurus telling me what to do. And it's not landing with me. Like, what do I want to do? And surprisingly enough, in college, in corporate, I never asked that question. Like, what do I want to do? What am I good at? And that's when I thought, oh, I'm a more of a creative spirit. Um, I'm both. I'm super creative and I'm super strategic. And like one of the things that I started doing this year was to start painting and, and drawing and be more creative. I mean, I come from a, such a creative family. Like my creative list d looks ugly and dumb and bad because everyone else is so much more, so much more artistic than I am, you know? So it's taken me all these years to get to a place where I could express that. So it's like, we are the ones, you are the one, do what's, follow your heart, you know, like listen to yourself. If you feel like you want to be an entrepreneur because you've got that in you, well, go explore that. And like Tom said, you can listen to so many entrepreneur podcasts nowadays where you can get so much information and inspiration and follow it, you know, like 
people ask me all the time, like, how do you find your, you know, your interviews? You know what? They're people who inspire me. I go to conferences and I would have never done this before, but now I do. If I liked what they said, I'll walk up to the stage and ask, can I interview you? I would have never done that before, but you can do it no matter what. You don't have to be a podcaster to talk to somebody. So right. let yourself have the permission to ask. Right. And, and I find that people want to help. You know, yeah. when I put yeah. it out there that, you know, I, I, I'm look I'm looking for more business. I'm looking for more chances to speak at companies and take this paradox of potential message. All of a sudden, a listener of the show or or someone who sees me on stage refers me. Now, I don't get everything I'm referred for, but if I yeah. don't get referred, if I don't get in the door, I have a 0% chance of landing that piece of business. And yeah. so, you know, if I put it out there and say, I need help, the only way I get business is from referrals, somebody actually refers me. So people want to help you. But lots of times they think, oh, she doesn't need help. Look at how successful she is. Look at Amy. She's rocking it. And so when you let people know, whether it's you know regular people or the person coming off the stage or whoever, most people want to help you. So you just have to let them know what, what help looks like. Yeah, they really, really do. So always ask for ask for help or ask for to the connection, no matter what, because you never know who people know and how they can connect you, whether it's with themselves or with who they know. That is something I've learned in the past few years. You just never know. So I've got a couple more questions for you. But first, yeah. I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like so many, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Amy Schuber. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. And I have worked with Podfly Productions since episode number one, and I tell people all the time, if it wasn't for that connection, this podcast never could have happened because they do all the technical work, and I don't do technical work. So they are a godsend. <laughs> So, Amy, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in your business right now? Oh, my gosh. I think one of the coolest things, it's funny. Honestly, in the moment, I'm in this, like, reconfiguration of things, right? Like, I'm looking at my podcast. I'm looking at what I'm offering. And I think one of the coolest things I'm doing is how I'm connecting with people and really getting deeper into their businesses and supporting them on a new level that I have never done before because I'm allowing a little bit more access for me to go there with people and doing their strategy, their vision and mission. And I just, I love the connection with people. I think we had referred to it on um, when... I interviewed you like that networking and building rapport. I mean, I think building that rapport with clients is so important and I, and I love it. And I almost become, and I think I do, I become friends with my clients. And I think that's one of the coolest things to me because I really love who I'm working with. We know there's an old cliche. People do business with people they know, like, and trust. But of course, all cliches are based in truth. So of course, that's actually a very true statement. However, the definition of the word know, K-N-O-W, has drastically changed in the last decade because of all this social media and digital and, and you know likes, links, shares, and follows. We all think we know everybody. Oh, I listen to Amy's podcast. I know her. Well, if I listen to your podcast, I don't really know Amy. I, I know your personality that you put out there when you interview, and that's part of who you are. But you know, I, I don't know who your brother is, your sister is, your mom. I don't know any. I don't really know a lot of that, even if you talk about it on your show. But we have fast-forwarded this definition of the word know to where mm -hmm. what I think used to be I know about, like I know about Amy. Now we say I know Amy, 
And so it used to be to get to know someone was a process and like and trust came along. But I think now we've fast forwarded over that process. So I don't think we like and trust as many people as we used to. Because sometimes that process, you don't like them. You don't right. trust them. But for the most part, if you got really got to know people, like and trust came along. Now we've fast forwarded it and we're living in this world that's way more superficial with our relationships. So I believe to what you just said, when you really get to know them, when you really become friends with your clients, when you really develop that personal human to human engagement and rapport and you have that like and trust, I think that's when it's golden because it's so rare. I think that its value has probably doubled or tripled. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it makes you realize who you really want to work with. I don't really want to work with everybody. You know, like if there's not a good rapport and a good relationship, it's not going to work or it's not going to feel good to both of us. I mean, I could it's like, who could we both? Wow. Look at my mouth go. Could we both serve people like everybody? Yeah, we could serve everyone. But do I want to I actually don't because I want it to be a really good connection. And I've worked with people who I haven't liked or I thought we were going to be this really great connection because they have this beautiful brand and I like what they're doing. But then the behind the scenes was a, like a hot mess and they weren't like willing to do the work. And to me, that's like a nightmare. I'm not going to do the work. I know the work that needs to be done, but there's like this willingness. So they're not my perfect client to work with because it's going to be so hard, right? And I've, you know, I'm old enough to know that I don't want to do certain things and I do want to do certain things and I want to, I want to stay true to myself, right? Because I want to have fun in business. I didn't leave corporate to be miserable, you know, in my own business because I know what the misery is in a, in a cubicle working for really big brands that really don't care you know, you working all nighters for them, you know, they just want the work done. But when you have this rapport with people and you get to like pick who you want to work with and they get to pick you, it's really genius. I mean, it's everything, especially like now, like you said, in this time. Yeah. I just think that it's when, when you can really get to that, that level. And, you know, Adam and I were talking when I was on casting the pod that he and I have both met so many people who would have known when we started podcast me four years ago, Adam, three years ago, and I'll just include you in the conversation four years ago. Who would have known you would have made so many friends, both through the people you've interviewed, maybe the people right. who've interviewed you when you've been on other shows, but also the other podcasters. I mean, I have I have some people I talk to regularly who, you know, probably a half dozen or more who they're my friends. And four years ago, I never would have met them if I hadn't gone to a podcasters conference or, or whatever. So it's really fascinating because it has opened up so many doors. I say my podcast is the best networking tool I've ever had. I've met more people through this the last four years than I could have imagined. I so agree with you. For me, my podcast um, has taught me a lot of lessons because the people I interview are telling me something I need to know right in that moment, which always blows my mind. Even when I have someone on my my schedule six months down the road, I, I have a conversation. I'm like, oh my gosh, how did the world know I was going to need this conversation today? And then like you said, and I think I alluded to it earlier, the evolution of my show it's um, this was the year of community and connection. Like for the pa for the first couple of years, two years, I really wasn't meeting anyone as a podcaster out other podcasters because I was just doing it solo and having the like online connections. It wasn't until this year that I really immersed with other people like really in the room humans of podcasting, <laughs> you know, casting the pods that I connected with to and became friends with. So earlier this year, it was really about me being seen in the community. And that has changed everything. Not only the guests for the past four years and those connections and, and me getting out of my comfort zone, connecting with people and asking them to be on and, and creating friendships that way. But then on this side of it, meeting the other podcasters and then all the things we have in common. I mean, like you said, I've met some 
some amazing people that I would have never known their names and I wouldn't know who, how influential they are and how cool they are. And they've impacted my life so much, including you. And it's interesting because I didn't have that like three years, the past three years, that wasn't happening for me. But this year was all about like the connection and the visibility and the camaraderie in podcasting, whether we were podcasters and or the guests, you know, like that just really sort of opened up for me this year. And it's taught me a lot, like you said. Well, like Adam said, there's a couple of jerks out there and we both, we've both <laughs> we encountered a few of those. But for the most part, everyone is really nice. And it's I, I find a big correlation to when I got really involved with the industry, with the speaking industry. Not everyone who's a speaker is involved with the National Speakers Association. There are 51,000 mm-hmm. people who call themselves speakers and about 3,500 are members of NSA. However, wow. within NSA, you find almost all of them who are willing to give their time and their money to that organization – they, they care about each other and they care about the organization. And we, we call it the spirit of Cavett. Uh, the guy who founded the National Speakers Association was a guy named Cavett Robert. He was one of the first motivational speakers back in the 70s and 80s. And he had an expression that the speakers shouldn't fight over pieces of the pie. We should all work to grow the pie. Well, there was only hundreds of speakers in the 70s. Now there's 51,000 people who identify that way. The pie's gotten yeah. really big. And, you know, Cavett Robert's attitude was – we should all be friends and look for ways to support each other because then the industry will be more fun. And, you know, so I, I, I think that's true in podcasting too. Yeah. And what I've come to learn is there's always enough for everyone. I keep learning about new people who people tell me about and they're like, haven't you heard of so-and-so? And I'm like, no. And they have this like really successful business. And it's like, oh, I feel like I, I feel like I should know about them. But I'm like, wow, look at all these amazing people with all this amazing business success or podcasting connections that I've never even heard of. And I feel like I'm connected and know a lot of things because I'm out in the world. But there's so much else out there, right? It's like, of course, we're all not going to know everyone. But yeah, there's enough for everyone. And and including podcasting, there's some such cool people in podcasting you and Adam, I love Adam. I mean, he's an amazing supportive uh, guy as well. So anyway, uh, before I let you go, I have a couple questions I ask everybody. And that is, I think podcasters are great observers. And you've already alluded to this in the way you talk about how you've grown your business and, and what you do. So when you look out into the world of entrepreneurs, sort of the entrepreneur sphere, who do you look at and you say, wow, he or she, they, now there's someone doing something cool. So it's interesting. I'm, I've been in, in, so it's funny, like 10 years ago, I, I had a connection with her and then I, I lost it and she's just doing some really cool things. And I know people have heard of her, Fabian Fredrickson, and she has a community called Bold Heart, but I was in her community last year and I'm witnessing what she's doing. And like right, what I'm seeing her do right now is like really step into her femininity and um, really owning like her brand, Bold Heart and as a woman. And I think she's just this really strong businesswoman that's really giving a really great example to other entrepreneurial business woman like me and giving that permission to just be who you are, be yourself in whatever it is that you're doing, really own it and be bold in it. She's really impressed me the past few years. And it's funny because I got to meet her last year and I had met her 12 years before at an event celebrating her. It was so random that I was at this dinner party. I mean, it was a dinner party and I met her and they were celebrating her for crossing her first million dollar year. And I then cut to uh, last year, I got to meet her and I was like, I was at that event and it's been a while. And I just, she's consistent and she's growing and she's authentic and she's just the real deal. And I really, I think we need more people like that, that we could look at and say, okay, I can do that too, because I can just be me out in the world and be really successful and really grounded and authentic in who I am. And like you said, 
social media kind of gives this weird perspective of people. So you kind of got to wonder, but she's the real deal. And I really admire what she's doing. I love it when I meet someone who is uber successful, meaning they make a lot of money or they have a huge community or whatever. And then you find out that they're really cool. Cause I've met a lot yeah. where it's the opposite, right? I've gotten behind the scenes because of what I do for a living. I've got to sit in green rooms with some people who are, you know, sort of famous and you start talking to them and they're just an ass. And so yeah. I love it when you talk about somebody where you've peeled back the onion and you say she's really authentic. Cause at the end of the day, authenticity has a lot of value. Oh, for sure. And you know, what's that's shown up in my podcast too. like people's responses to an invite to be a guest. <laughs> I've been floored about the responses. And sometimes I'm like, okay, never mind. I actually don't want to talk to you anymore just based on that. So that's been really revealing to me because out in the world, there's like this show and I'm like, why? I didn't realize it was a tap dance. And I don't want, I don't want to share that. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So the last question I, question I ask everybody is I really believe that we're blessed as entrepreneurs that somehow we have to find our way to give back to the greater good. And so my wife and I have a giving program. Every time I speak, a little bit of the money goes to two funds at two different children's hospitals for research for children born with cranial facial abnormalities, which we know a little bit about because our youngest daughter had to have her entire skull rebuilt when she was six months old. And that sucked really bad at the time. But, you know, you fast forward 16 years and she's a straight A student. She's beautiful. Her skull looks normal. It's all good. But we knew that there was something we had to do to give back. So we've given and raised quite a bit of money over the last 10 or 12 years. And that's what we do. But it's so cool to ask people, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because the answers are amazing. So Amy, tell us about you. Okay. So one of the things that happened for me when I started working with women entrepreneurs was I would see all their doubts and fears. And these are 30 year olds, 40 year olds, 50 year olds and beyond. And I under, I was just witnessing this and I was like, what is wrong with us as women that we don't believe in ourselves? Like, what could we do for girls? Like we need to get to us sooner, you know, as young girls to really believe in ourselves. And so there's an organization in Orange County that I got involved with called Girls Inc. And so it's making girls strong, smart and bold in an all areas, science, Science, math and creativity. So at the time, I just started like volunteering, right? So through the years, I volunteered, I've done vision board classes with them, I just volunteer where I can with them my time, I also contribute, you know, financially to them. And I just love supporting the group that you know, I come from because I too was am a woman with doubts and fears. And I wonder what would have happened if I would have grown up. I grew up really great, but I wonder what would have happened if I had a different sort of sense of myself growing up. And so I want to give back to the girl community. And another thing I do, which seems really simple, but I just learned last time I give blood. So when there was that shooting in Las Vegas, you know, there was Red Cross needed blood and it was coming out of California and we needed blood in California. And I never, ever give blood. And I thought, oh, I think I can do that. And so I was compelled to give blood. Ever since then, I've been giving blood as often as I can when it comes up in my email. And last time I was there, they said only 3% of the population gives blood and it's mostly students. And I was like, really? I didn't know. I had, I thought more people gave blood and it's just something easy that we could do. Um, and so that's something I've been doing and that's not something that I would ever share really anywhere, but it's something simple. Um, so, you know, I, I do that. It, it totally matters. And you know, at the, when my daughter had her surgery, that was one of the concerns is had something gone wrong because they were operating around her brain and there's a lot of blood and arteries and stuff. We had to have blood on hand. And there, of course, was a blood bank. But the company I worked for, 17 people in the San Diego office, because she was operated on in San Diego, went to Children's Hospital and donated uh, so that we had 17 pints of blood, which she ended up getting two cc's. So the rest of it then was donated back to the, the main blood bank. But knowing that we had three times the amount of blood necessary 
was for an emergency was was very peaceful, knowing that it was coming from people uh, from the law firm that I worked for at the time. And so uh, I know firsthand that it matters if you're in a situation to yeah. uh, either an emergency or a scheduled surgery to know that there's blood on hand and that, that you're getting that. Uh, my wife is O negative blood type, and it's very rare. And it's also the universal donor, so they need it. And it's O negative people can only get O negative. And so she gives blood quite often because of that, because it's so necessary uh, that that type is there because it's just so rare. So I know that she's always paying attention to, to when she gives as well. So now you've inspired me. I think I need to go give blood. But I, you know, I'm a positive. It's the only time I ever got an A plus in my life. But, <laughs> I'm a positive too. <laughs> but but the other thing is, is as the father of two daughters, your message of of Girls Inc. and 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 trying to to get to these girls. I'm very fortunate. I have two very I call them a highly spirited daughters. Uh, they're both very strong willed, and I I hope they both believe that they can go do anything that they want in this world. But I think that that cause that you're with, I think that is amazing. And I think you got to keep doing it because you ne- you'll never even know who you've impacted. I know. I, I have the experience of seeing some of these girls grow and it's been really kind of cool. And um, I know what it would have meant to me if I was a part of an organization like that when I was a kid and I I, I wasn't. But uh, yeah, to witness what they, they're growing up with. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on young girls and young and young women and even more so now, like even though there's access to a lot of information, there's just so much pressure on these girls and, and so many different levels that people don't even consider. But yeah, it's just something that comes from my heart. I have a niece and I've watched her stuff and it's just it's yeah thank you so Amy Schuber thank you for being a guest on the show how do people find you tell them the name of your podcast tell them where they can find you online if they're like I have to know more about this woman where do they go (laughs) you can go to amyschuber.com or you can find my podcast um, inspired conversations with Amy Schuber on iTunes Stitcher anywhere you listen to a podcast and you can also find all the episodes at inspiredconversations.net well, and if you've listened all the way, we were talking before that we're a 30-minute show. If you've, <laughs> if you've stuck with us the whole 45 minutes, this is what happens when you put podcasters on the same show. But if you've listened this way, you know how inspiring she is, so I know you're going to jump over and check out everything that she has to offer. And I say it every time, thank you for listening to the show. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we do this? It's all about the audience. So thank you so much. Uh, If uh, you want to find out more about me, you can go to TomSinger.com. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Amy Schuber. I know you're thinking, wait, where will you ever find anybody this cool? But but we do it every single time. But in the meantime, I want you to think about what are you going to go out? What new thing are you going to go try between now and the next episode? Go try new things. And while you're doing it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.